Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. I almost forgot the name of my own channel here. Um, uh, welcome back. This is Art Burns. I'm really excited to be here with you today. I am excited. It's not just a matter of enthusiasm. I'm actually very excited to be here with you today. And um, and I, I wanted to um, I want to share something that's really important for you. And we might go to actually the two segment format today. We'll see how it goes. But uh, see if I can you know either segue these two topics together or we'll do two separate segments. But but either way, welcome back to the podcast and, and YouTube channel. It's really a pleasure to be here with you. I'm really excited to be here with you and I'm really happy to be here with you because I'm happy to share today a couple of um, you know concepts with you that are that are really, really important. You know, whether you are intentionally and consciously taking a journey of healing and balance and recovery like I have over the last 10 years, or if you're just casually listening to this and picking up some just, you know, just a couple of nuggets of, of truth and tips for, you know, just to kind of keep in mind for your daily life, it's all good, whichever whichever is true for you, right? And so, so this is something that I think is going to be very important for you to understand. Two things, okay? So the first thing I want you to understand, and this comes with, um, if if I may, if you'll indulge me, a little bit of a personal story, okay? My personal story. Um, <clears throat> you know, t about ten years ago, as I've mentioned here before, um, was when my journey started, and I call it a journey of of healing, of recovery, and of balance, because for me. It didn't start with mindfulness and compassion practices, right? It started with, you know, getting sober. And it started with getting healthy. It started with with just sort of, you know, recognizing that that I was like, you know, I was treating my body and my life like Thelma, Thelma and Louise in that last scene, right? I was just driving the car right at the cliff and I, I just had the, the gas pedal pinned to the floor. And then I had kids, right? And I realized that, oh, wait a minute. <laughs> this isn't just about me anymore. This is, you know, there's other people in this life that depend on me. You know, as I told you at the time, um, when I, at 10 years ago, when I first started this journey, I was, you know, what would I would have been 43 years old. And I swear, I say this all the time, that if I had not made the changes that I made when I made them, I, th I think I was really running out of runway, like that cliff was getting very close. Um, and if I hadn't made the changes that I made when I made them, I would have had a heart attack by the time I was 49, 50 years old. You know, I would have been that guy. You know, the guy that you hear about in the office, like, oh, my gosh, I, I can't believe we never got to say goodbye. Yeah, I can't believe he's gone. He was so young. That was going to be me right? I'm sure of it. <laughs> okay. And so, and so part, you know, for me, the, the healing came in sort of two, two phases, right? That, 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 you know, first I had to stop doing the damage, <laughs> you know, which meant, you know, stop drinking every single night, stop, you know, I'd already kind of moved away from the, you know, heavy recreational drugs at that point. So, so that was, you know, sort of, I was already moving towards that. So in that way, it's hard to say how long this process has been going on, you know, because sometimes I think maybe it's even longer than 10 years, but I didn't know it at the time kind of thing, you know, because it was like unintentional. But anyway, you know, the idea for me was the first step was to stop doing the damage. The second step then was how to now cultivate some skills to live differently, to live with more skill, to, to live with more intention, more sort of, you know, deliberateness in my life. 
And that is part of skillfulness, right? We need, you know, in order to live with intention, it requires skill because intentionality is a skill. It's not something that just comes naturally for most people, especially, again, as I mentioned yesterday, if you grow up in a place like I did with very high levels of, and I'm not saying the environment, but just the way that it, it cultivated within me was very, very high levels of stress. I mean, enormous chronic stress all the time, every day. You know, and, and I was never, ever, ever living in the present moment. Never. Like, not even for a second. I was always worried about something in the future or ruminating about something in the past 100% of the time. From the minute I wake up to the minute I drank myself to sleep. And no, drinking did not stop it. <laughs> drinking, if anything, made it even more so. And And as a result of this you know, of this stress that I was feeling on a daily basis, again, like moment by moment, my life was all about stress. And that gave way to the the anger that I was taught as a child from my parents. You know, they were very angry, spiteful, bitter people. And so I adopted those mechanisms for handling what I was going through, right? So when I felt stress, it wasn't about, okay, how do I manage this? How do I fix this for myself? No, it was how do I lash out at somebody? You know, how do I how do I make them know that it's their fault that I'm going through this? Right. And that's I mean, that's right out of the playbook of my father. Right. Like I, I see that so plainly now. And that's one of the beautiful things about this work is that you see the connections of the childhood trauma and the way that, you know, people did things in your life. It's, it's so clear to me now in a way that could never have been 10 years ago. Right. But anyway, the point that I want to make is that. When I started this journey 10 years ago, when I decided that something's got to change, right? And again, first it was the alcohol and, and the, you know, the, the, you know, some drug use, but not really at that point. Um, you know, but, but that was more like my corporate life you know, where everybody had a mirror in the desk drawer kind of thing, you know? Um, but uh, it was wild times back then. Um, and I don't miss it even for a second. But anyway, um, the point was that it was about, you know, changing my relationship to the toxins, right? And it was the toxins of alcohol and whatever drugs were still around. But it was also the toxins of, of my eating, right? Like I used to eat like I was trying to kill myself, truly. You know, like I was, I was doing everything that I could to make myself unhealthy, I mean, you know, in the back of my, you know, subconscious mind, this was this was probably an effort of of like get me out of here. This life sucks. I don't like this. I don't want to live like this. So some form of of, you know, extended, you know, suicide or something like that. Pardon me. I should have put a trigger warning before saying that word. I'm sorry about that. I hope uh, I hope you all are okay with that. Um but anyway, and I and I apologize for that. But but anyway, the the idea that I had ten years ago when I when I started this journey, right? And again, maybe not so much that first step of getting sober. That was just I got to do this to survive. Like like this is gonna kill me if I don't change this and the food. If I don't change those two things, it doesn't matter what else I do because I will not be around, right? And, and again, once there were kids involved, that that whole you know being around took on a much different priority, right? And so, and so, so, but at the time, right, and this is the important thing, I'm here burying the lead again, but the important thing is that at the time, I felt that the goal or the 
the results of, you know, once I, once I got past that initial, you know, reducing the toxins, stopped drinking, started changing my diet, now it was about the skills that I could have to cope with this. And that was where mindfulness came in, right? Mindfulness, kindness, and compassion, those, and self-compassion too, specifically. That those, those four sort of modalities of practice were the, the tools that I had to, to fortify myself, to build myself a foundation to be able to, to go out into the world and experience the world without this stress and without this anger and without this, you know, rattlesnake kind of reactivity, because that's what it was. It was like a rattlesnake um, and mean and, and, you know, quick and, and ruthless. And so, so at the time, at that point, when I was, you know, kind of entering into the mindfulness and I understood how it would reduce stress and it would, you know, create emotional intelligence and it would, it would help me to understand and to moderate and to, and to regulate all of this stuff that I was going through, that at some point I felt that it would become a thing of the past, right? That the anger would become a thing of the past. The chronic stress would become a thing of the past in the sense that, you know, when you go to the dentist, right? You have a toothache, you go to the dentist, the dentist does the thing, you don't have the toothache anymore, right? It is gone, it is over. It is something that you went through that you no longer have to go through again because it is over, right? Similar to having a cold, right? You have a cold, a week or so goes by, you get better. The cold is gone, it is over, right? So I had the same sense that that was going to happen with my reactivity, with my anger, with my chronic stress. And it's good news that I have for you here, right? Because the reality is that it doesn't work like that at all, not even close, right? But again, that's good news, right? Because, because the thing is that, that we can't live life, you know, free from, from triggers of some kind, right? We just can't. To even exist means to interact with other people, and to interact with other people means that, you know, we're all kind of bringing our own thing into this experience, into this interaction. And so, therefore, it's, it's never about eliminating something. And this is, again, this is the good news, right? Because eliminating something, you know, first of all, I don't know that it's even possible to do that, Right. But, but even if it were possible, you know, again, that, that doesn't seem like a healthy solution, right? Even though it did at the time, it felt like, okay, I can be a person who never lives with stress, right? But that belies also what I was talking about yesterday, which is the fact that, you know, we all are a product of our experience, Right? And so in that way, you know, what, what this work does is it doesn't eliminate the stress or the reactivity or the, um, or the anger, right? As I told you the story about Ram Das yesterday, right? Even after decades of practicing, I mean, 10 hours a day of practicing, he still found himself, as he calls, I think, you know, stuck in it or, or tangled in it, Right? So the same thing happens to me. I go through periods where I feel enormous levels of anger. I go through times where my body goes into that stress response. And I go through times, there are moments where I become very reactive as a result of these things. And depending on what's going on in my life at the given time, these reactions could be pretty strong, right? But here's the difference. 
Okay, I have changed my relationship to these things. That's what this work does. This work creates where, where anger and stress and reactivity used to be like, like, a, like a, a thief who would sneak up on me and just, you know, clock me on the top of the head, you know, from out of nowhere. Just boom, I'm, oh, I'm on the floor. What happened? I'm in this, you know, reactivity and this, we're fighting, we're yelling. What happened? That's how it used to be. It came out of nowhere. I had no idea. And so what happens now is that that thing, instead of being a thief, it, it comes to me as an ally. It comes to me and says, hey, here I am. I'm anger. Do I belong here? Do you need me here? Because this seems like you got it under control. It doesn't feel like you need this anger. And that's the thing. It gives me that, that ability to, to coexist with the anger and to allow the anger to be there. And I can say, you know what? No, I don't need you right now, but maybe I do. Maybe there is a time where I say, you know what, Anger? I'm really glad you're here because I'm going to use you right now to help me get through this situation, but I'm going to do so in a way that, that, that comes from the wisdom that I've developed over the last 10 years of practice, right? Which means that sometimes, yeah, it's about letting the anger blossom and, and just explode and making a show of it. Right? Because in a lot of ways, that's what anger is supposed to do for us, right? Anger is, is that, that last ditch effort that we have to avoid a physical confrontation of some sort, right? Anger is burying my, my fangs and, 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 you know, tucking my tail down and, and snarling so that you back off, right? And so sometimes that's appropriate. But now I get to choose when that's appropriate, I get to control that. I get to say, oh, okay, here's the anger. Either let it rip <laughs> or, or let it simmer and, and let it, you know, come back down. And I recognize that, you know what, in this particular circumstance, anger would work, actually work against me. For instance, like at the DMV or something like that, right? You and I know this from experience, folks. Trust me on this one, okay? You start getting angry at the person behind the window, it's not going to make it go faster. It's not going to make it more efficient, it's going to make it less efficient. It's going to make it go slower. It's going to add frustration to you. And the point is that they always win, right? Because your anger has a terminal point that winds up with you in handcuffs, right? Whereas their, their, whatever they're feeling has a terminal point where they just close the window on you and they go on their break and they still get paid for their days of work, right? So that's where anger can be a very dangerous thing. And of course, the anger comes out of the stress and everything else. So it's all tied into one thing, right? So that's where, again, this work is not about eliminating anything, but it's about bringing these things into my conscious awareness. Because once it's in my conscious awareness, now I, I work with it. <clears throat> so in a lot of ways... Um, the, the stress in my body is no longer this liability, right? It used to be that when I, when I experienced stress, and it used to happen very early in the morning usually, right? Like before I even got on the bus on the way to work and stuff, you know? Um, <laughs> before I left the house, I would already be a ball of stress, right? And then the stress would just be there the whole day. It would hijack my whole day because it would dictate my actions. And then those actions created reactions from others, which created consequential, you know, drama and, 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 and like stickiness. And that's what my whole life was, was just managing this drama. 
And again, worrying about what was coming and, you know, ruminating about what happened. And so now, right, if I feel the stress, the stress then becomes a a signal for my body. It becomes a a communication. It becomes a really beautiful communication that, that allows me to say, wait a second, this feeling, okay, what's going on? What is it that we need right now that we don't have? Sometimes I'm asking my inner child that question. Sometimes I'm asking my 53-year-old adult father of two, you know? And in that moment, usually the next question is, okay, is there something I need to accept right now? Is there something I need to let go of right now? Is there something that I'm not seeing clearly here? Is there something, an assumption that I'm making? Is there an expectation that I'm clinging to? Is there something that is clouding my view and, and my, my, you know, accurate and, and um, you know, high definition assessment of this thing? And usually the answer is in there. Right. And so in this way, stress doesn't hijack me for the rest of the day or for the next few days. Stress just becomes this episodic thing. And that's what stress is supposed to be. Right. Stress in our body is no different from the stress in a gazelle's body. The stress that a gazelle feels, it, it experiences that stress when it sees the cheetah coming to, to eat it. There's no difference with us. That's what stress is supposed to be. But for most of us and 77% of American adults who, who experience chronic stress, that's not how it works. It's something that just clings to us and, and, and grips us and, and puts us through this ringer over and over and over. And again, what that does is that colors our experience because it, it motivates our words and our actions and our decision making and and. When we're motivated from this place of stress, usually we're doing things that are not kind, that are not compassionate, not empathic. And as a result, there's going to be a reaction. And that reaction is a consequence. And that consequence is the drama. You know, that's the, that's the again, getting stuck. It's like treacle, right? It's like you, you can't, like quicksand. You're just in it. You can't get out of it. And in that moment, my friends, you are not showing up to life. You're, you're wrapped up in this thing. You're not here. You're not now. And you're not available to yourself or to those around you, right? So, so the mindfulness and the compassion, the kindness and the self-compassion allow me to coexist with the stress, coexist with the anger, and, and use it as a tool as opposed to it using me as a tool. All right. I'm going to do another quick segment on forgiveness real quick. I'll see you over there. Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the second segment of today's episode of the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. One of the greatest skills, one of the greatest tools, one of the greatest methods that I have learned to help me to show up in the moment and be available to the moment and to all that the moment has to offer me, which as I say all the time, this is where everything happens, right? All of it, 100% of my decisions, 100% of my desire, 100% of my actions, 100% of the love that I feel, 100% of the jokes that I laugh at, 100% of all of it happens in this moment. So anything that draws me away from this moment draws me away from all of that, 
right? Which really kind of makes life, you got to question like, what the heck is it for if we're not here to, to experience it, to enjoy the, the, the happy times and to, and to weather the, the, the difficult times, right? Because what we realize as we're really paying attention to it is that the, that the, the difficult times, you know, they, they serve as a sort of, well, well, they, if, if we're, Paying attention to both, we what we realize is that the difficult times arise against the backdrop of the good times. And so both are necessary, right? Like yin and yang, right? It's 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 something where, you know, life requires all of it, right? And so one of the greatest tools that I have found to help keep me right here, right now, no matter what's going on, is the skill of forgiveness. Now, most people consider forgiveness to be a weakness. They consider it a liability. They consider it a softness. And most people feel that it must be shunned at all costs. Like there is no appropriate time for that we can experience forgiveness. There are people who really believe that. And I see where it comes from. You know, I get it because a lot of times we, we have this confusion of forgiveness that, well, if I forgive the person, then I'm really giving them permission to hurt me. And that's not what forgiveness is. Right. And, and I've talked about this obviously before, and you can go check out that other content really to go deeper on what forgiveness really is. Right. But, but for me, and the point that I want to make today is that forgiveness is the antithesis of weakness. Forgiveness is fierce. It is, it is like warrior like, <laughs> okay. It, it becomes like a bulletproof vest around my entire body. You know, I'm thinking right now about the, you know, you see those like self-defense courses, right? And they have some guy dressed head to toe in this big foam while, you know, a bunch of people are just kicking him in the, you know, private parts and all that stuff. Like, that's what it's like. It's like having that suit around me is how forgiveness feels. Because forgiveness, it's allowing me to maintain my sovereignty in the actions of some, in the presence of the actions of someone else. Right. Because without forgiveness, when somebody does something that hurts me, I become, you know, I become drawn out of myself and drawn out of the present moment. And I'm entangled with them now. And if I refuse to forgive them, I stay locked in that embrace with them. And ultimately what that turns into is they are living rent free in my head. And what they're doing in my head the whole time is they're taking me away from the present moment. They're making me, you know, not able to, they're, they're rendering me in, incapable of being present, of being available to the people and the things that I love, including myself. And so forgiveness is the ability, because the way it works, right, is that if I can forgive whatever somebody tries to do to hurt me, if I can forgive it, well, then it doesn't hurt me, right? I mean, sure, it might hurt for a moment. It might be like a, a little like, you know, wow, that was mean, that thing that that person said, and it might give me pause, and it might, you know, allow me to go through a momentary period of, of self-reflection or, or, or licking my wounds, if you will, whatever that is, Right. But that's as far as it goes, right? So just like a bulletproof vest, right? You still get still get shot by the gun, right? But you don't, it doesn't hurt you the same way. Right? So really what it's doing is just like 
I said before, you know, forgiveness, it changes your relationship to other people's intentions. And it gives you the power, the strength to stand with this difficulty, with this, this intention that this person has. And to look it in the eye and say, you know what? Okay, bring it. You know, I'm just going to let it go. Now, it's important to recognize here, and I'm just going to say this and then probably wrap it up here because I think I might be over time. I'm not sure. Um, but but as you know, I don't have a production staff here. It's just you and me here, you know. Um, but, but, but one of the important things to recognize about forgiveness is that it is not the same. In fact, it has nothing to do with justice or seeking justice, or seeking whatever form, what you believe might be retribution. Now, here's another important thing, and this is where the cycle comes around, is that once we really, you know, you know, embrace and, and really um, train ourselves in this skill of forgiveness, retribution and revenge becomes pointless. Like, like you, you let that go, too, because you realize that it doesn't really, it's not what you think it is, right? But that's down the road. For now, as you're practicing forgiveness, or as you're even trying to wrap your head around practicing forgiveness, it is okay to forgive someone and also press charges against that person, or to, um, you know, sue that person in a court of, of civil law, right, to, to gain a monetary uh, compensation for something. It is okay to cut that person out of your life. It is okay to, to let that person know exactly what they did to hurt you. And it is okay to make the announcement that you are never going to let them get that close to you again to hurt you again that way. So in a very real way, you know, forgiveness becomes this, the ability to erect this fortress around me, right? Because that's what it is. It's saying, I forgive you, but you are not going to get close to me again. But it's because I forgive you that I can keep you out there. If I don't forgive you, then I need you to be close because I need to feel that, that I'm hurting you back somehow. And in that sense... I'm hurting myself much more than I'm hurting anybody out there, right? Because the reality is that while I'm, while I'm you know, hurting and, and, and feeling this, this anger and this resentment for them, they could be on vacation, you know, sipping a little drink with a pink umbrella in it, not thinking at all about me. <laughs> so, so I encourage you to, you know, open yourself up to the idea of forgiveness being like a like a pair of nunchucks, you know, not something that's like, oh, I'm, I gotta, you know, forgive and forget and be, you know, soft and weak. <laughs> it's not like that. It's the opposite of that. And so I encourage you to, to, to spend some time with that concept of forgiveness. And, and again, forgiveness as a, as a weapon, even as a fortress, as a, as a force field around you. Think of it that way and see if that changes the way that you're able to approach forgiveness. Because again, as I said, this is probably the strongest tool that I ever learned in this whole you know, journey, the strongest tool I've ever learned to help me to stay right here in the face of others' actions that might be, you know, malintentable. All right. Malintended, I guess is the word. Anyway. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I wish you well. And I, I hope that you can find the capacity to forgive yourself and others. All right. Talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.
Oh, hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the second segment of today's episode of the Showing Up to Life podcast and YouTube channel. One of the greatest skills, one of the greatest tools, one of the greatest methods that I have learned to help me to show up in the moment and be available to the moment and to all that the moment has to offer me, which as I say all the time, this is where everything happens, right? All of it, 100% of my decisions, 100% of my desire, 100% of my actions, 100% of the love that I feel, 100% of the jokes that I laugh at, 100% of all of it happens in this moment. So anything that draws me away from this moment draws me away from all of that, right? Which really kind of makes life, you got a question like, what the heck is it for if we're not here to, to experience it, to enjoy the, the, the happy times and to, and to weather the, the, the difficult times, right? Because what we realize as we're really paying attention to it is that the, that the, the difficult times you know, they, they serve as a sort of, well, well they, if, if we're paying attention to both, we, what we realize is that the difficult times arise against the backdrop of the good times. And so both are necessary, right? Like yin and yang, right? It's, it's, it's something where, you know, life requires all of it, right? And so one of the greatest tools that I have found to help keep me right here, right now, no matter what's going on, is the skill of forgiveness. Now, most people consider forgiveness to be a weakness. They consider it a liability. They consider it a softness. And most people feel it, it must be shunned at all costs. Like there is no appropriate time for, that we can experience forgiveness. There are people who really believe that. And I see where it comes from. You know, I get it because a lot of times we, we have this confusion of forgiveness that, well, if I forgive the person, then I'm really giving them permission to hurt me. And that's not what forgiveness is, right? And, and I've talked about this obviously before, and you can go check out that other content really to go deeper on what forgiveness really is, right? But, but for me, and the point that I want to make today is that forgiveness is the antithesis of weakness. Forgiveness is fierce. It is, it is like warrior-like, <laughs> Okay, it becomes like a bulletproof vest around my entire body. You know, I'm thinking right now about the, you know, you see those like self-defense courses, right? And they have some guy dressed head to toe in this big foam while, you know, a bunch of people are just kicking him in the, you know, private parts and all that stuff. Like, that's what it's like. It's like having that suit around me is how forgiveness feels. Because forgiveness it's allowing me to maintain my sovereignty in the actions of some, in the presence of the actions of someone else, right? Because without forgiveness, when somebody does something that hurts me, I become, you know, I become drawn out of myself and drawn out of the present moment, and I'm entangled with them now. And if I refuse to forgive them, I stay locked in that embrace with them. And ultimately, what that turns into is they are living rent-free in my head. And what they're doing in my head the whole time is they're taking me away from the present moment. They're making me, you know, not able to, they're, they're rendering me in, incapable of being present, 
of being available to the people and the things that I love, including myself. And so forgiveness is the ability, because the way it works, right, is that if I can forgive whatever somebody tries to do to hurt me, if I can forgive it, well, then it doesn't hurt me, right? I mean, sure, it might hurt for a moment. It might be like a a little like, you know, wow, that was mean, that thing that that person said, and it might give me pause, and it might, you know, allow me to go through a momentary period of of self-reflection or licking my wounds, if you will, whatever that is, right? But that's as far as it goes, right? So just like a bulletproof vest, right? You still get still get shot by the gun, right? But you don't, it doesn't hurt you the same way. Right? So really what it's doing is just like I said before, you know, forgiveness, it changes your relationship to other people's intentions. And it gives you the power, the strength to stand with this difficulty, with this, this intention that this person has, and to look it in the eye and say, you know what? Okay, bring it. You know, I'm just going to let it go. Now, it's important to recognize here, and I'm just going to say this and then probably wrap it up here because I think I might be over time. I'm not sure. Um, but, but as you know, I don't have a production staff here. It's just you and me here, you know, <laughs> um, but, but, but one of the important things to recognize about forgiveness is that it is not the same. In fact, it has nothing to do with justice or seeking justice or seeking whatever form, what you believe might be retribution. Now, here's a, another important thing, and this is where the cycle comes around, is that once we really, you know, you know embrace and, and really um, train ourselves in this skill of forgiveness— retribution and revenge becomes pointless. Like, like you, you let that go too because you realize that it doesn't really, it's not what you think it is, right? But that's down the road. For now, as you're practicing forgiveness or as you're even trying to wrap your head around practicing forgiveness, it is okay to forgive someone and also press charges against that person or to, um, you know, sue that person in a court of, of civil law, right, to, to gain a monetary uh, compensation for something. It is okay to cut that person out of your life. It is okay to, to let that person know exactly what they did to hurt you. And it is okay to make the announcement that you are never going to let them get that close to you again to hurt you again that way. So in a very real way, you know, forgiveness becomes this, the ability to erect this fortress around me, right? Because that's what it is. It's saying, I forgive you, but you are not going to get close to me again. But it's because I forgive you that I can keep you out there. If I don't forgive you, then I need you to be close because I need to feel that, that I'm hurting you back somehow. And in that sense... I'm hurting myself much more than I'm hurting anybody out there, right? Because the reality is that while I'm, while I'm you know, hurting and, and, and feeling this, this anger and this resentment for them, they could be on vacation, you know, sipping a little drink with a pink umbrella in it, not thinking at all about me. <laughs> so, so I encourage you to, you know, open yourself up to the idea of forgiveness being like a like a pair of nunchucks, you know, not something that's like, oh, I'm, I gotta, you know, forgive and forget and be, you know, soft and weak. (laughs) It's not like that. 
It's the opposite of that. And so I encourage you to, to, to spend some time with that concept of forgiveness. And, and again, forgiveness as a, as a weapon even, as a fortress, as a, as a force field around you. Think of it that way and see if that changes the way that you're able to approach forgiveness. Because again, as I said, this is probably the strongest tool that I ever learned in this whole you know, journey, the strongest tool I've ever learned to help me to stay right here in the face of others' actions that might be, you know, malintentful. All right. Malintended, I guess is the word. Anyway, thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. I wish you well. And I, I hope that you can find the capacity to forgive yourself and others. All right. Talk to you soon, everybody. Take care.